Hello, hello, and welcome to the Borealis Experience. I'm your host, Aurora, and I'm very happy to be spending some time with you today and posting this interview for you with Brian Horvath, a very touching story about fatherhood, alcoholism, and the liberating feeling of sobriety. He, at some point in his life, was raising four children and lives now with his two biological daughters and is hustling through COVID struggles and homeschooling, like supporting his kids at school, and is just doing a fantastic job. And this is why I absolutely needed him on the show here, because he also will tell you how much he learned from, yeah, his journey to freedom from alcohol. Enjoy this interview and until very soon again. Bye-bye. Now let's jump right into this interview. Welcome, Brian Horvat. How has it been for you? You've been um, in a really good place now, I feel. You look very healthy yeah. and radiant. Um, but you also told me that um, there was a time where you struggled with alcohol. Was that before your kids or did you have to deal with that during like while you had kids and then kind of struggle with your well-being and then being there for for children as well was it like all together in one or was that like separate well I, I mean I suppose looking back alcohol I mean it's always just been kind of a part of my life in in the respect that it you know it's just pop culture people you know my parents always had a glass of wine with dinner and you know there was always beers in the fridge and uh you know i i would not say that they had drinking problems or anything like that but it was it was always just present right and um so it, it after childhood and i moved on you know i just thought hey it's always normal to have alcohol around i should have alcohol around You know, mm -hmm. my first apartment it seemed like the, one of the first things I had to do to really make it an adult place of my own was to put beer in the fridge. And, uh, you know, which your friends quickly come over and drink on you and you have to replace. And, <laughs> you know, so they got my 15 packs and 24 packs. And, and so, yeah, in my, in my younger life, it was, it was, it was just kind of there and it, and it was part of the, The culture with me and my friends who you know like to have a good time back then you know when we were young um but then around the time that i i got married and started having uh, my own kids is when i i kind of took a step back i i wasn't drinking you know every day we didn't keep it in the house uh, my wife wasn't really a drinker at all and so it was um you know it just wasn't part of my life for a while uh, but then when things started getting a little bit you know more I don't want to say tough, just kind of lonely and, and boredom kind of set in um, when, you know, my wife was working nights at, at the pub mm. and I, I had all the kids, I had all four kids at home and they were, they were young, very young. So they were all in bed by seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. And I'd have my whole evening, just myself alone, sitting on the couch, watching TV. So it, it became, I'll just grab some beers and, And that soon became a habit. Every day I'd go drop my wife off at work and I'd, I'd pick up a six pack and I'd bring it home and I'd drink that six pack throughout the night, you know, uh, while I, while I watched TV and it, you know, kept me company. 
kind mm. of took the edge off uh, the boredom and the loneliness when when I was just by myself. So uh, that basically, you know, a six pack was a six pack a day became the normal kind of behavior for a couple of years. And you know, I'm a fairly big guy, and I mean that wouldn't really impair me. You know, that, it was just uh, it, it problematic in the way that it became an everyday habit. Mm-hmm. And uh, by by the time a, a few years went by from that point on, you know, uh, the kids were getting a little bit older and, and, um, you know, I was stay at home dad. I had my side businesses. I trained dogs and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I just found myself with more opportunity to drink and all of a sudden, you know, six packs in the beer stores turned to eight packs. They, you know, they, the six packs went away and they all became eight packs. So, so that six pack just became an eight pack a day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, things just kind of slowly, you know, became comfortable at that pace. And then just like that, my marriage ended just all of a sudden. And, um, I, I was just hit like a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, my wife decided, to, uh, to leave our home, leave our house and went and, you know, got her own place. Um, but I, you know, I was a stay at home dad. I didn't have any income whatsoever. Uh, and being a stay-at-home dad, you know, I was claimed as a dependent on her taxes. I I wouldn't get child tax or anything, even though I still had all four kids at home. Um, so I was now in a desperate fight for survival, literally. How am I going to uh, pay the bills at this house? How am I going to feed these kids every day? I don't have any money, don't have a job, and I don't know how to go get a job with these four kids because somebody's got to watch them. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, you know, my, I have a big family and, and they're very helpful where they can be, but they're all professionals and they all still work full time. And, you know, there's, there's nobody, I didn't have anybody to, to watch the kids and her side of the family was not present at all. So it, uh, it was quite a struggle. And, and, uh, I found that at the end of the day, I was so, so overwhelmed that the only thing that I, I could do was, you know, drink. But I, I waited till the end of the day, you know, and the kids would go to bed and then I would, I would drink. And that, that became normal for, for a long time. And, uh, um, then, then I, I suppose after about, I was single with the kids. Um, well, you know, they it went through a few different stages, you know, she, my, my wife was still around for a while at her place on, you know, that moved to um, and she would take the kids you know uh for the weekend sometimes and she'd have a weekend off work and and stuff like that um and uh that that um lasted for maybe about a year and unfortunately you know her her lifestyle developed into habits that snowballed into addiction and uh and she she left she she just kind of went off the radar for for years and years and years, you know, the better part of a decade. And, uh, so, uh, after, after that, when she, when she went her own way, um, my step girls went to live with their dad and, um, and I had my two and, and we just kind of started our own, our life kind of anew with, you know, no, no mom in the picture and we're just going to do this on our own kind of thing. And, um, that, that gave me a, a really, I don't know, a really big boost of confidence and, um, 
sense of value because, you know, I hadn't been a provider for my family for all those years. I'd, you know, I'd been the, the caretaker, but not the provider. And, um, that's, that's something that's, you know, ingrained in a young guy growing up that that's something you have to do, you know? And, uh, so finally being able to do that, I got a really good job, you know, running a directional drill, uh, doing underground cable drops for Shaw cable and it was high paying and had a lot of responsibility, like the kind of job that if I didn't show up to work, everybody had to go home kind of thing. And so that kept me really grounded. And, um, yeah, then the drinking stopped for a while, quite a long time. And, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it stopped. I would still like my beers after work and stuff like that, but it, it wasn't a, a daily kind of habitual thing. Um, and, uh, that, that lasted for almost three years. I, I worked that job and it was, uh, you know, it paid the bills and I, I didn't need any income, uh, from, from the ex-wife I couldn't find her anyways. And, um, you know, we just got into a comfortable routine, the three of us and, and things were great for a long time. You know, they, and they were still, they were still young. They were all, you know, under kindergarten age. Mm-hmm. And so, can I interrupt quickly? Um, I don't Absolutely. know if I, if I understood right. How did you get to that job? So from, from that super desperate situation, drinking more and more, how did you yeah. get that job again? Maybe you mentioned, but I... Well, it was I just answered an ad in the paper. Uh, I grew up, my, my dad owned a golf course construction company. And, and so I grew up working all kinds of heavy equipment, machinery and stuff like that. So I know my way around you know, the equipment, I'm a good operator. So I saw this uh, ad that was actually looking for an excavator operator for this cable crew. Mm -hmm. And I answered it and the guy just kind of hired me on the spot. We hit it off in the Tim Hortons, you know, and, and I started the next day. And uh, so after a while, you know, he hired another guy who worked as the driller and I worked as the digger on the excavator. And, and we, uh, about halfway through the year, the other guy, quit and so I took over as a driller and uh and then we hired another guy to just kind of fill in and a tight little crew kind of formed and and you know we worked together for quite a few years until you know the jobs shock cable just kind of stopped doing underground drops for a while and the jobs just disappeared so <laughs> um first so for a long time there was security you know, and, and we were all happy together, you know, and everything was great. Um, and then I, you know, I got into a relationship after a few years that, um, you know, was kind of a bit rocky. I won't, you know, I won't give any details out anybody, but you know, it, it was a, a person who was a, a full blown alcoholic. And, um, so she'd come home from work every day with, you know, a case of beer for her and a case of beer for me. You know, it's, I think it's a misery loves company thing. You know, if you're drinking too, then, you know, you can't judge me for me, yeah. what I'm doing. And, uh, and so what I found is if I, if I just paced myself, she'd get all the way through hers and into the next one and then just become a, a mean, nasty person that I didn't like being around. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, I, I'd already, you know, moved out of my house and into hers Uh, which was a big risk, you know, after three years in my place and I was comfortable there and everything, you know, and um, so I, yeah, I, I risked it. I moved in and, and then I, you know, you don't really see some parts of people until you live together. And uh, this is what it was. And so as a, as a coping mechanism, I thought, well, I can handle my liquor better than her. Um, and so I started drinking 
all the way through my case so I could drink some of hers before, you know, so she couldn't drink too much oh. know, because it became so hard. It became too hard to deal with her. I mean, and there was times where I'd have to pack my kids up in the middle of the night and put them in the car and, and go somewhere else to sleep for the night because she was having a fit, you know? And so very quickly, one day she had to go somewhere and do something for a day. And I just had a whole bunch of guys and trucks come pull up and we just sneaky moved me out. And I called my old landlord and my, my other place hadn't been rented yet. And he let me back in. So I got my old place back. And, uh, but, but I'd, I'd been at her house for two months and I'd been drinking, you know, 15, 18 beers a day to, you know, because of this stupid little situation, you know, and I, obviously I wasn't making the right decisions. I was, it was uh, a very poor decision to, to go about it the way I did. Um, but I did, that's what I did. So here I was. Um, and, and now I've got this habit of for two months, I've been drinking a lot every day and now my body's starting to really want it, you know? Yeah. And then that's, and that's where it really started for me. That's where it got bad. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, from that point on, I, I, I had a couple of periods. I think I quit once for a few months and then I quit another time for 10 months, you know, and, and during those windows, extraordinary things would happen. You know, whole businesses would, would come out of nowhere and flourish. I, you know, I, um, and when I quit drinking for 10 months, I, I, um, I kind of began delving into learning a, about a, a hobby of mine or something I always kind of wanted to learn about, which was aquaponics and, you know, the, the combination of aquaculture and, and hydroponics and sustainable farming. And, and, uh, with, without alcohol clouding my brain and without the, the other stresses I'd previously had in my life, I just, I just absorbed all this information and I had all motivation. And uh, so I started a company building, you know, custom aquaponic systems for people and, and growing foods. And it was, it became a, a huge success. And then that parlayed into kind of a, a secondary business where I was growing sprouts and microgreens and packaging them and selling them at markets and uh, to restaurants and stores. And, and I was making like really good money. I, you know, um, but after a while I thought, ah, so if, I'm good. This alcoholism isn't a thing anymore. And I, I just kind of slowly started having beers again every now and then. And that slowly just again, spiraled into to drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, right around the time that that was doing really well, um, I got into another relationship this time with a, you know, a really good woman. And, you know, some things aren't meant to be forever. You know, sometimes we hold on to things a little longer than we should, I think. And, and they, they sour, you know, just like food in the fridge, kind of, you know, and some things have an expiry date and you shouldn't hang on to them after that. But, but that's how it was. We had a great relationship and then it just kind of, it kind of ended and, and, uh, I, I started drinking a lot again. Um, so we, you know, we'd had got a house together and, uh, you know, she moved out again. And so now here I am, I have all the financial responsibilities instead of half. So my, my financial responsibilities just doubled. Um, anybody I had to ever help me with childcare vanished. Um, and so I was back to kind of square one again, no one, no one to keep me grounded. No, another, no other adults in my life to tell me, don't do that. Stop it. Um, you know, and, and I did my mom, my mom was really great for, you know, recognizing when, when I'm not myself and when I'm, you know, I, uh, depression really takes hold when I'm drinking and, and 
the depression and anxiety just makes me a terrible, terrible person <laughs> to be around. You know, I, um, you know, just not my best self. And so that, that kind of next year after not quite a year, I guess it only took, it was, it was a very steep downward spiral from the time Amanda moved out to, uh, the time I, I quit drinking. Um, but once she moved out, it, it was bad. I, you know, I had money. I'd been working a really good job and I, I had money in my pocket and, and so buying liquor wasn't a problem. And, I had this anxiety, which kept me up at night. So it became waking up at three o'clock in the morning, you know, and I can't get back to sleep. So maybe if I just slam a beer really quick, I'll be buzzed enough. I can just drift off, but well, well that beer tasted good. So I better have another one. And then, you know, by eight o'clock in the morning, I've already drank 10 beers, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm waiting for the liquor store to open to go buy another box. And, and I say that my, my tolerance was, um, you know, such that I could still function throughout my day and go about my day. And a lot of people didn't have any clue that I was drinking at all. Uh, the people who knew me really well knew because obviously it changed my character. Um, but uh, yeah, it became a really bad problem. And, and so for, for about maybe six months, I was drinking about 25 beers a day, every day, um, all day, you know, my, my, all my waking hours spent drinking, you know, and uh yeah, then it, it just kind of one day snapped into my head, like, what are you doing? Grow up, you're going to die. And and actually the, the turning point for me, because you, you tell yourself a lot of little lies to the, <laughs> to the point where, where you start to believe even the bigger ones. And, and eventually you're, you're totally, your whole life is a lie. And, you know, it's somewhere inside, you know it, but uh, you want to do this behavior. So you know, you, you put that little voice away. And, and one day it was uh, the straw that broke the camel's back was really, um, I took in my recycling. I went to go do my cans and, um, I had only been to the bottle depot the week before or not the week before the month before it only been a month or so. And I'm loading all these cases, empty beer cases out of them, stacking them up in front of my house. My friend's coming to pick me up in his suburban because they're not going to fit in a car. And, and, uh, you know, we had to put all the seats down in the suburban and we packed it front to back wall, you know, floor to ceiling. And, you know, I got back like almost $70. So it's like 700, it was all beer cans. It's like 700 cans of beer I drank that month. <laughs> so it was, it was just a visual representation yeah. of, of my habit. And I was like, like, wow, my poor liver, like all that's been going through my body in a month. Like, and so it became very clear to me, this is going to, nobody else is going to raise these kids. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I snapped out of it and I quit that very day mm -hmm. and, um, I haven't had a drink since, not one drink since. Um, but, uh, it wasn't easy. The first, the first five months weren't a pleasant time. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, um, I felt sorry for myself. I felt like I was the only one who'd ever gone through this, you know, and, you know, I felt like I had nobody on my side and that every, you know, I, that this was just, and again, like I felt that the sobriety was something that was done to me, forced upon me, you know, that, and I, I thought that I really loved drinking mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because it was really, you know, 
it was just the one thing that I, I made so important, you know, other than my children, it was just my kids and drinking. That's, that's all I had. Um, and, and so, and, and because I, you know, had a beer in my hand all day for so long, a lot of my, you know, habits and just my daily routine, it was all associated with drinking. And so just going about my routine without, without having that beer in my hand was, was stressful. And, and it took, it took about five months for that fog to kind of clear, mm-hmm. but, uh, Oh, when it did, you know, what, a what a, a glorious thing. Yeah. And that's been one year now. Um, well, I can tell you exactly. I have yes. a little app that keeps me focused here. 10 months and 15 days, so 10 and a half months. Wow. That's pretty badass. And, and yeah. So it, would you say that um, you still encounter situations where you have to make a choice where it's like, ah, oh, it'd be so nice to have that beer now, but there's part of your mind that, that remembers um, and doesn't allow you to go down. Well, so I, uh, the, the first time I quit drinking for that 10 months every day, every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wasn't ready yet. You know, um, I was doing that more, you know, on, uh, to kind of appease other people that were putting pressure on me to, to quit mm-hmm. as opposed to wanting it for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just couldn't wait until I felt healthy enough to drink again. That's how it was then, right? And yeah. after 10 months, I was feeling pretty good. So I was like, I guess I'm ready to drink again. You know, um, this time it, I um, I haven't really, since I got past that, that about five-month fog, I haven't really looked back. Uh, for I, I wasn't, and I should say one thing, it was, it's, it might be kind of unusual in the alcoholic world. Uh, um, I, I wouldn't just drink anything. I only drank beer. Um, if, If I couldn't get beer, I wouldn't drink whiskey or anything if it was around, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just beer. Right? And uh, so, and, and a lot of that to me was, I loved it. It, it tasted so good and it was so refreshing. And I, I just loved you know, how cold beer uh, on a hot day or a stressful moment or, you know, it was just so good. Um, mm-hmm. But then after after I quit, I, I tried replacing that, taking the edge off that by drinking non-alcoholic beer for a, a couple of months, you know, which is not any less expensive. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't taste great after a week or so you can kind of trick yourself into sort of enjoying it a little bit. But after a while, my brain just kind of went, you don't like this anymore. The beer doesn't taste good to you anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just stopped. I, the, all my triggers, you know, just stopped working. I did. I never, I haven't craved beer since. Yeah, you know, um, and the odd time, the, the odd stressful moment to be like, oh, your mind goes back to like, could you really use a drink right now? But it, it's a blink and it's gone. You know, it, yeah. you snap yeah. right out of it. Yeah, um, you managed so, to be stronger than that little, yeah, monkey mind of yours. Um, yes, that's very yeah. That's character. That's uh, mental strength one on one, right? It's uh, well. 
don't don't give me too much credit. I I uh, <laughs> focused my addiction onto sugar immediately afterwards, <laughs> <laughs> and then I put on forty five pounds. <laughs> yeah, and then you can get out of that too with the same mindset. Um, oh yeah, and I and I have and I have now. So wow, uh, I'm we day eight day eight today with no sugar, and. Um, I should. Say ever since I was a kid, I mean, I, I don't remember drinking water. I'm not like a water drinker. Yeah. Never, never at any point in my day do I fill up a cup with water and drink it. It's just not a thing I do, period. Yeah. Um, you know, I drink tea in the mornings, you know, and uh, I would drink before it was beer in the afternoons or whatever. And, and, uh, And then it became pop. It was like Dr. Pepper, a case of Dr. Pepper every couple days after. And, uh, but never water. And so I was, I was talking with my, my friends, Michael Gervais and his wife, Sandy. And, um, you know, they're, they're big inspirations for me for as far as this fitness and, and, you know, healthy body image stuff goes, because, you know, they're just championing this right now. They're just doing awesome. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was over there at their shop and Sandy was like, you got to start, start drinking water. And I, it occurred to me that like, yeah, people need water to survive. And I never drink water ever. And, uh, <laughs> so I went and got this big old water bottle. My, my buddy actually gave me and, uh, And I drink it about five times a day. So I'm drinking about, you know, five, six liters of water every single day and no sugar. And yesterday after a week, I weighed myself and I'd lost 11 pounds and two inches. <laughs> so that is so amazing. Yeah. So I'm just going to keep that up. And, and now I don't miss the sugar. I did for a few days. Yeah. I was like just fiending, wanting to cheat so bad. I like every time mm -hmm. I, I had a minute of boredom, I just wanted to eat something sweet. But uh, after about three days of that, I, I crave my water, you know, so it's, it's helping. Yeah. Yeah. Like I told you uh, on our first meeting here, you have such a beautiful skin. And then I was like, oh, maybe he has a filter, <laughs> filter on. Um, <laughs> but it is the water. It is the water that makes you glow and your eyes are sparkling and sugar addiction is like just as bad as cocaine i feel like the headaches you oh, get yeah. and the tricks your mind wants to play on you are just so the, the headaches Holy. it's funny you mentioned headaches because the the first few days um that i stopped drinking pop and or any sugar at all at all i guess it was unbelievable the headaches i had and i don't get headaches and headaches aren't a thing that i i suffer from you know a lot of people get headaches all the time i yeah i'm lucky i don't don't get headaches and oh it was three days of just like oh and then couldn't make it go away oh, you know I'd, i'd go in the hot shower take tylenol you know just do whatever i can try to meditate couldn't get my headaches to go away so yeah. oh it's incredible the whisper Brian, we're coming to an end here. Those 40 minutes uh, ran through like oh, water. Wow. <laughs> um, if I just get going, you know. <laughs> no, that was so wonderful. It was it was incredible. Everything you shared and 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 very like you very good flow and awesome voice. Um, okay. If there was three things that you would like to, yeah, three things you want to give 
people who are still maybe struggling with addiction or depression, anxiety, uh, self-worth issues, um, what would that be? Well, one thing I can tell you right now is that if you're, if you're actively in addiction, you're lying to yourself so much that you can't trust yourself. You need to listen to the people who love you. Mm -hmm. Their, their opinion is going to be much more clear and focused and accurate and better for you than, than anything you're going to tell yourself in this time. Mm -hmm. Uh, they'll, they will get you through it. Lean on the people who love you because they're there for you. Um, and if you don't find somebody to support you, um, Alcoholics Anonymous is wonderful for a lot of people. Uh, gives a lot of people support. I, I don't use it. I've never been. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, years ago I've been, but uh, this time around I, I haven't. But um, it's, uh, it's uh, imperative that you have a support network and somebody who's going to keep your best interests, you know, in, in mind and, and remind you of those because you're going to lie to yourself and you're going to, you know, talk yourself into your, your habitual behavior every time. If, if you don't have that, mm -hmm. so that's one, I guess, um, two, stay busy, find something meaningful to do with your time. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the, the best thing for me has been learning new th things. You know, uh, I, I became a, a licensed drone pilot and I started a business, you know, doing aerial inspections and photography. And, and that has given me so much to learn, you know, uh, just that, that spiraled into many things, you know, uh, having to, I bought this computer for video editing and, and having to learn computer systems has opened up other doors for me. And, you know, it's, it's created, streams of income and but but mainly it's kept me focused on something else and mm -hmm. something productive because mm -hmm. at the end of the day you're, you're left with yourself and what and what you've done you know and if if you're just doing nothing you know at the end of the day you're gonna have nothing to to ease your mind or feel proud of and, and you need that as well because it's it's encouragement right yeah and uh three what's the third one <laughs> you know um i guess it kind of goes along with with the first one it's uh, it's for me it's but you, you got to love someone back you know you got the number one was let somebody you know love you and listen to them but you got to love something back too i mean if it's a puppy or a dog or or yourself if you're just focusing on yourself but yeah. but you have to you, you have to get into the habit of physically demonstrating you know love in your life as well not just receiving it but but demonstrating it you know yeah and and then that's the only way you're going to feel whole you know you, you you have to be able to receive love you have to be able to give it and you have to be able to do something meaningful with your time and those things that's just like a recipe for success right there yeah bang on wow that was the most powerful ending of an interview i ever had i think <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much, Brian, for your time. Um, Thank you for having me today. Yeah, it was, uh, it was incredible. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, you have a good rest of your day. You as well. Talk soon. Yeah, thank you so much for listening to this interview today. Demonstrating love 
isn't that so simple and easy to do and and yeah so healing to do um, I found this ending very very powerful and inspiring and I hope we brought some light into your life I hope we brought some hope into your life know that we're always there to yeah support you we're not medical doctors or counselors we're just people who went through intense stuff ready to talk about it and ready to support others so never hold back from reaching out if you want to do us a huge favor go on to apple podcast and leave a review that would be so life-changing it is really the currency um, on how to show appreciation towards a podcast thank you so much for supporting us and i will be out there very soon again Bye-bye.